want to cool off? Freddy's Frozen Custard and Steak Burgers is bringing back in the entertainment capital of the world. It's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance in this first half tonight. The doctor operates here. Oh, well, he has trouble with the spin. And the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State. Jalen Watts Jackson. And he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. Hey, it was BYOG. Bring your own guts. And they brought some guts. Is now in. And a good Monday to you as we get rolling here. Beginning of the week, recapping a very, very busy weekend. If that's football, baseball, whatever it is, oh yeah, we get it here, right here. And the Raiders get a big victory yesterday to the surprise of many, especially the sportsbook industry. One of the uh, best days for players at the sportsbook this past uh, Sunday. T.C. Martin with you. Glad to have you here on this Manic Monday, Magnificent Monday. Call it what you want. And we get ready for game number three of the ALCS tonight. The Astros and the Red Sox. The series now travels from Houston to Boston for the next three games. Games three, four, and five. Series tied one game apiece. And uh, glad to be back with you from Houston, being able to be there uh, for games one and two on Friday and Saturday. Uh, fun time, even though the, the result uh, was, was not the greatest, especially on Saturday, but uh, great crowd there at Minute Maid Park. Uh, Red Sox came to play in this series. They win game two after the Astros take game one, so we're tied at one game apiece and a great time in Houston, so we can touch on that a little bit uh, today as well, too. So back, and again, want to thank uh, Chris Wynn, See win, my man, for filling in for me on Friday while I was away in Houston. Appreciate him. Great job there. And uh, I, was, uh, I was glad to, to join him on Friday from Minute Maid Park. So, yes, we'll continue to follow Major League Baseball as we get ready for Game 3 tonight, ALCS. And then off night tonight in the National League Championship Series. And we see what has taken place in the first two games in Atlanta on Saturday and Sunday as the Braves won two one-run games, two come-from-behind games, two victories in the bottom of the ninth inning, and lo and behold, the Atlanta Braves lead the Dodgers, who had 109 wins on this season. They lead two games to none. But Dodger fans, don't despair, because now you have games three, four, and five back at Chavez Ravine. And as much as a lot of people right now like to write the Dodgers off, or they like to write teams off that are down two games to none. They lost by a total of two runs. All right, remember that. Out hit the Braves, but they lost by one run in each game, and now they will finally get to have their true starting pitcher on the mound in Game Three, which sounds so crazy to say that they haven't had that in Games One and Two, starting relievers. And that's just a whole nother topic on itself. And I'll find some time to, to rant on that. And uh, Chris Bozzi will join us tomorrow. Steve Sachs will join us uh, the following day. And I know they think, just like I do, what is Dave Roberts doing? But my response is, hey, this is what we've seen from Dave Roberts before. So no shocker there. But still, you shake your head and wonder why more people aren't questioning him on how to run a baseball team. 
Because if you're a Dodger fan, you have to be thoroughly disgusted with the way this guy runs a baseball team, and he got away winning a world championship last year despite of it. And if this thing continues to go the way it's going right now, he's not going to get away with it, and it may cost him his job. So anyway, a lot of baseball to uh, talk about a little bit later on. All right, today on the program, Andre Risen is going to join us, one of the greatest uh, receivers the NFL has ever seen, a 12-year NFL career Andre Bad Moon Rising, you may want to call him that. I like to call him Spider-Man. He actually likes going by that a little bit better than Bad Moon, but uh, but he accepts it. Uh, yeah, Andre Rising will join the program today, and I know that uh, C. Wynn's probably real happy about that today. He's probably be listening because pride of Michigan State, a little Sparty, East Lansing. Andre Rising, a great uh, NFL career, of course, had some mishaps outside of uh, the football field, as we know. And he's got a new book coming out. And I was going to let Andre plug his book away today, too. But it's going to be fun uh, talking with him. Got a chance to uh, meet him and know him from my time in Green Bay as he would come back uh, occasionally like a lot of the Packer, uh, former Packer players uh, you know, do. So uh, Andre Risen will be on the program today. Uh, should be some great stuff. So hang tight for that a little bit later on in this hour and we'll talk about his new book that is uh, coming out that's uh, actually available right now as well too so great stuff for Andre Risen. All right but let's start, first start talking about the Raiders and what we saw yesterday Raider Nation victorious they defeat the Denver Broncos 34-24 a huge win by the Raiders yesterday especially after uh, just a horrendous week Filled with controversy, uneasiness, a lot of self-doubt, I think. And, you know, in retrospect now, you, you know, people go back and say, well, obviously they had no doubt about this. No, they did. There was a lot of doubt. Because when you have the face of the franchise in your head coach, who's making $10 million a season, is one of the most, I want to say, popular head coaches that this league has ever seen. And part of the reason why John Gruden was popular and you know the face of this Raider franchise was because of his personality, because of the success he's had, because of you know being uh, on Monday Night Football for all those years, being part of ESPN, the Gruden quarterback camp, and everything of that nature. So yeah, so when you suddenly, basically you know a third of the way, not even a third of the way, fourth of the way in, into your season, where you lose your head coach and you have a wild week, and you're coming off two losses, and you're preparing to go on the road to a place where is a tough place to play in Denver Mile High uh, Stadium there, or whatever they're calling it now, in Vesco Field, Progressive, who knows what insurance company it is now, whatever, Mile High City, let's just say that. But this was a huge week for the Raiders, and that's why they were a six-point underdog in this game, even though Denver has struggled as of late. They start off 3-0, and but they beat a bunch of cupcakes, and they've struggled. And the Raiders had to win this game yesterday, and they did. They did it on the road against a divisional opponent, and kudos for the Raiders. Even though this final score said 34-24 yesterday, it wasn't even that close. I mean, they handled it perfectly this entire week, and kudos go to their interim head coach, Rich Basaccia, for doing a fantastic job. Greg Olson on the offensive side of the ball, calling plays and calling the game basically you know, for the first time. 
Because you got to remember, even though he was the offensive coordinator, most offensive coordinators will call the plays during the game. But that was John Gruden's job as the head coach. You know, he basically was the glorified, you know, OC on this team, the offensive coordinator. Gus Bradley did a fantastic job on the defense. It was the best game that we've seen the defense play so far this year for the Raiders. So, yeah, great job by the Raiders. Uh, They handled a very, very tough week. A controversial week, like real pros. They dominated all facets of the game yesterday against Denver. And really, it, it started with coaching. It did start with Rich Bisaccia. And, you know, he is not one of those guys that is real flashy. He's not going to win press conferences over. We've got audio today that you're going to hear from Bisaccia. We'll also hear from Derek Carr, the quarterback, and also from the defense, Max Crosby, who had a fantastic game. He was uh, involved in a majority of those five sacks that the Raider defense had on Teddy Bridgewater and the Denver Broncos yesterday. So, But the defense, give them credit. They played a fantastic game, arguably the best game of the season for them, and they they made Denver feel very, very uncomfortable. Teddy Bridgewater was awful yesterday. Four turnovers in all, three interceptions, one fumble, and kudos, like I said, to the Raiders on uh, on all three facets of the game. Offense, defense, and special teams as well. All right, let's get to some highlights for the Raiders. All right, a game, uh, again, not exactly knowing what you were going to get out of the Raiders. Didn't know how focused they would be, how they would react to John Gruden not being there. Like I said, you know, basically it's, you could say that Rich Passaccia is the head coach, but really it is a... Job done now by committee. And Basaccia basically said, hey, I, I'm going to oversee everything, but Gus Bradley, you're in charge of the defense. You do your thing in the defense. I'm going to stay out of your way. Greg Olson, you're the offense coordinator. You call the game. I'm going to stay out of the way. And what Basaccia did is, you know, he was a special teams coach. Hey, he just focused on his special teams and uh, basically let the offense be run by Olson, the defense run by Bradley. And, you know, there are a few coaches in the league that run their teams like that. But Basaccia never being a head coach before at any level, this is what he had to do. And good for him knowing, I don't want to say his limitations, but basically deferring to guys that have been in this league for 20-plus years like Olsen and Bradley and deferring to them and say, you know what, you spend time all the time in the practice time with these guys in the meeting rooms. So I'm not going to get in the way here. I'm not going to mess this this thing up. And so I think that's where it starts yesterday with that. All right, so we get to the highlights. Derek Carr started the day off. Uh, Raiders look strong right from the outset. Four of the first five plays have been running plays. Where do they go on third and two? Carr looking to throw. Deep shot. Brooks is down there. Yes, it was. I mean, just a couple minutes into the game, first possession of the game, Carr goes uh, deep down the middle to Henry Ruggs. The uh, 48-yard touchdown pass got the Raiders up 7-0 just like that. And then it was the Broncos' turn to take the field, and they struck right away. Richwater rolling right, throws on the run, completes it. He's got December of 
of 2019. So each team scores on their first possession, and Teddy Bridgewater, even though he had three touchdown passes, and that was one of them, he still had the three interceptions like we mentioned. Not a good day overall for Teddy Bridgewater, but uh, the game was tied at 7-7. Then the Raiders uh, came back. Uh, They responded. They got back on the board again with a long field goal. 50-yard attempt, which is a modest attempt here at high altitude. And Carlson... Is good. Yeah, 50-yarder from uh, Daniel Carlson there. So the Raiders, basically two possessions in that first quarter, get a touchdown, get a field goal. They have a 10-7 lead, and it stayed that way uh, for quite some time until Derek Carr struck again at the end of the first half. Waller, one of many, conflicted that Gruden is no longer here. Carr looking for Drake, and he got it! Drake inside the five, and he's in for what a pass from Carr! 31-yard touchdown pass. Derek Carr to the running back, Kenyon Drake, who basically has eaten up a lot of carries since Josh Jacobs was injured a couple weeks ago. They both played in this game. They both got in the end zone. Both had fantastic games. But yeah, this game, we saw all that scoring, and it was it was 10-7 you know, for the longest. And like I said, just you know, we're thinking, okay, maybe the Raiders are just going to get a field goal here and uh, you know extend the lead a little bit uh you know, and go up 13-7 to seven at halftime. That wasn't the case, so they got that big touchdown right before halftime for a 17-7 to seven lead, and the third quarter came along. Raiders came out of the locker room. They picked up right where they left off with Kenyon Drake. Drake in it running back, and he takes the handoff here inside the 15. There he goes! Drake to the house! His second touchdown of the game! Oh. All right, so that was that touchdown there, and... uh you know, Josh Jacobs came up big for the Raiders. We mentioned now Drake got a lot of the love yesterday, but Josh Jacobs did a lot of the dirty work uh, as well. And Jacobs had a huge run that uh, set up the Drake touchdown. Yeah, they have played a very clean game here against their rivals in the Denver Broncos. Second down and four. Pressure's coming. Carr gets rid of it. A screen to Jacobs. Jacobs with room to run. Jacobs still going inside the 30 and finally down at the 21-yard line. All right. So, uh, yeah, Josh Jacobs, uh, you know, big time there as well, too. So the Raiders uh, continued to to tack on uh, yesterday as well. And then... um, we, there were more highlights yesterday from the defense. We talked about Max Crosby, Teddy Bridgewater, awful. Crosby came up big yesterday along with the, his defensive teammates. Two and a half to go in the third. Bridgewater in trouble, steps up, and he's taken down at the 40. Ball came out, and the Raiders are indicating they have it. All right, so there is the, the Teddy Bridgewater fumble. They take advantage of that. And then uh, to end the day, the end of the scoring, uh, it was Carr again set up uh, you know, to Ruggs. Jacob set up uh, the touchdown. And the Raiders tack on 34 points against the Broncos. Looking to add to that total on third down. Here he comes. Carr is decked. Throws it up for Ruggs. And Ruggs with the catch. Oh, what a play. Woo. Jacobs again. Jacobs takes it in for a Las Vegas touchdown. All right, uh, the Raiders with the 34-24 victory yesterday on the road against the Denver Broncos. This Bronco team really struggling. But uh, as much as, 
this game seemed to be the Raiders were in control of this game, at least on the scoreboard. I mean, Denver had their moments. And if it wasn't for the turnovers, this game would have been a lot closer and maybe even uh, Denver had had a chance even to pull this thing off. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater, like we said, he had three touchdown passes, but he had the three interceptions as well. The Broncos had 25 first downs in this game. 25 first downs. Not a great third down conversion uh, rate yesterday, going 5 for 14. They had to go for it three times on fourth down. They only converted one of those. They had 112 yards rushing, 309 yards passing through the air, and there was uh, you know, some soft spots there. But again, the sacks were the big uh, thing for the Raiders there as the Raiders had five big sacks on Teddy Bridgewater. And again, uh, Bridgewater you know, had the, had the touchdowns, not real good, threw three interceptions, but was under constant pressure through the entire day yesterday as well, too. So a great performance by the Raiders offensively, defensively, and special teams as well. All right, so we hear from the head coach, the interim head coach. We're going to have to keep calling him that, Rich Bisaccia, yesterday. And uh, he talked about just, you know, getting – kind of everything going, and he was antsy. He just really wanted to put this last week behind him and get on the field and get ready to play. And uh, that's exactly uh, what he did yesterday. So here's Rick, Rich Basaccia talking about uh, his first game as head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. The best part for me was to be able to get on the grass. I mean, the, most, the worst part for me was figuring out the headset. And uh, so once you get on the field and the game goes, and a lot of my responsibilities were the same. And, again, it was really good dialogue between myself and, and Ole and, and um, myself and, and Gus and, and I'm talking to Tim about game management upstairs. So, um, again, it was really collective um, uh, effort going through the game. Oh, there's a button on there, and I gotta press it if I want to talk. And if I want to go to Burb by myself, I gotta press that. And back in the day when I wore a headset, we didn't have all them buttons. <laughs> so here's what I'm talking about. Now, John Gruden would give you some great sound bites. He would give you that personality. He would have some fun. And but Rich Passaccia doesn't really. He hasn't been in this situation before. I mean, he's a special teams coordinator. Okay, he doesn't hold press conferences. And he was being very serious. I mean, he had to worry about running the football team, having the headset, communicating with everybody, which he usually doesn't do. And I thought it was it was funny. It was classic. He's talking about he had problems figuring out the headset. He had the game plan together. All right. He he was well prepared, but he couldn't figure out the headset. So obviously the follow up question had to be, well, what do you mean you you couldn't figure out the headset? And not even really joking about it. But just say, well, you know, we got this button, this button, you know. Those are those Motorola headsets. They're kind of high tech. Pretty expensive, too, as well, too. You know, you got to know how, how to do the button. Hey, what are we going to do if this guy's going to need to throw the red flag and challenge? He's never had to do that before. Is he going to have to practice? He's going to need to practice that during the course of the week as well, too. So, <laughs> Rich Passaccia trying to figure out how to operate the headset. So, hopefully he... He got that one out of the way, and uh, he'll be okay moving forward. All right, uh, going back to the week that was. Remember, six days earlier, the Raiders got the news, or the players got the news that J- John Gruden was forced to resign. So it was definitely a tough week. Uh, nobody knew exactly how this thing was going to play out. So here's Basaccia talking about the week leading up to it. Again, I, I talked about the continuity on offense, continuity on defense, and then for them to have a whole week of practice, um, to some degree, sense of normalcy a little bit, and uh, I, I think that probably it, certainly it's emotional for everybody, right? And so I think they did a good job. 
um, as a bunch of grown men of, of handling their emotions throughout the week, uh, putting them in perspective when it was time to go play the game. It is a job for, for all of us, and, and uh, again, they, they seem to do a really, really good job with it. Um, we'll see what goes on from here. We'll see the consistency uh, that we can have going on. I think that'll be the, the challenge for all of us. All right, and there's Rich Basaccia talking uh, about the tough week that led to it. And uh, we'll hear from Derek Carr and Max Crosby on that same topic here pretty soon. But uh, let's go back to Basaccia and talking about the complete performance that this team had on offense and defense. Well, I thought we ran the ball pretty well. I think we averaged eight. Um, did you have it well, I think? Yeah, per, per play, yards per play. But I, I talked to Josh about, I know Coach Caves did a good job, and you know, I told Josh that you know, two plus two plus two plus two, it felt like we were, we were going to have a big one at any time. And we had a big one with Kenyon, and Josh had the, the big run. And, um, again, they were, we had explosive plays on offense with Henry's play. Um, I think we limited our, our explosive plays on defense. We stayed on top a bunch. And, again, with the picks um, by Trayvon and, and the turnovers on defense, it, it just helped our field position big on offense as well. All right, and then when you look at uh, what they did uh, against the Denver defense, I mean, Vaughn Miller came in here, and you, you thought that he was going to have a big day. The Denver defense was going to come up big. That wasn't the case at all. And uh, actually, Rich Passaccia talks about how they probably confused the Denver defense with John Gruden not being there. Well, I think, you know, advantage to us is this is the first time, first game, you know, always called in a while, so... They really didn't have. They were trying to figure out what we were going to do, and and uh, you know, I said before, I've been with Oli before when he's called every play, and um, again, it was collective. But I thought we ran the ball better, so I thought we had a little bit more play action uh, look to us today, and and um, we moved Derek a little bit out of the pocket. I thought offensively, those guys did a great job with that. So it was fun to watch again, and and Oli did a great job. All right, talking about Oli, he's talking about offensive coordinator Greg Olson doing a fantastic job there yesterday. And another thing that that he touched on there that really we haven't seen too much with Gruden, you know, calling the plays and, and running everything was Derek Carr out out of the pocket and, uh, you know, get him more time, you know, get him roll, rolling around. He could throw the ball on the run, and he did that very, very effectively yesterday. All right, speaking of the Raiders quarterback, Derek Carr, his, uh, we, we've talked all last week about how close he was to John Gruden. Heck, the ne- they're, they were next-door neighbors, you know, and there was obviously that connection between those two guys. And, of course, with Gruden being a quarterback guy first, offensive coordinator, then a head coach, and, again, basically be in charge of the entire offense. Uh, you know, him and Carr were, were very, very close. Here's Carr talking about playing without Gruden for the first time yesterday. Well, I'm still here, you know, as a leader. Uh, Max is still here. Yannick, uh, Darren, you know, uh, Josh, Alec. Um, I'm stop naming people before I forget. But you know, we still have um, we still have our our room of guys, our leaders, right? And uh, more more now than ever, you know, we had to step up and be a voice, you know. And uh, and it's fair to think that way, obviously, with everything that's going on. Um, uh, again, there will be a time for the emotions of all of that, uh, but now is not the time. You know, we have time. We, um, if anything, what this did is brought us really it for sure brought us closer um, with talking with the guys and meetings and all that kind of stuff. Um, proud of where we're at uh, and glad uh, for our organization to get a win. You know, we needed a win bad uh, this week. Um, you know, sometimes when you get punched in the gut, it's hard to bounce back, but we were able to do it. So um, we definitely needed it. We got one and it, it definitely feels good. All right. Here's Derek Carr talking a little bit more in detail about going through a very, very rough week. I think more for like, I don't know, the, the organization as a whole, you know, for us, like in the locker room, it's just, I know it sounds funny, but like I've been saying, compartmentalize, you know, things, you know, putting the two separate 
we have a job to do. Um, if anything, it heightened our intensity. It heightened our focus. It heightened our, our like I said, it brought us closer. Um, but the win is the win. You know, for our organization, I'm sure it feels different for some people. You know, it's probably ranks high up there. For me, um, I mean, you guys know me by now. I mean, I just, I, whatever I say, that's what I mean. You know, like I 100% was like, hopefully y'all knew I felt a certain way, but I have a job to do, you know. Um, so I think everybody felt that way. So when we won, it was like, yes, let's go. But you could definitely feel from, like, front office people and, you know, other people uh, within the organization that it was, it was special for sure. All right, very rough week up for the Raiders, but they did get the victory yesterday with Denver, and they all came together. And uh, here's Carr talking a little bit more about the difficulty of putting this, this week behind them and now looking forward to playing some football. I don't know. I definitely thought it. I don't know if I said it on Wednesday. But I, I definitely feel like when I'm in between the lines or studying film, it's easier for me to focus on that. You know, um, you know, we're all human. We all have stuff going on in life, right? We all got, y'all got stuff going on. But I'm sure when you're in your work, you're in your work. You know, um, especially if you got a, a deadline or you got something to do, but you got, you got to get it done. You know, and so uh, it's definitely easier during those times. Um, it's definitely. Sucks not hugging Gru after a game like that, you know. Um, some of the plays we ran, you know, and all that kind of stuff, he would have been so fired up, you know, uh, to see his face. But uh, it is what it is. You know, we, we got to move forward. But um, definitely for those three hours, it's easy. Definitely, it's not easy, but it's easier to just focus on football for sure. All right, uh, Derek Carr. And finally, talking about now the relationship with Greg Olson. Obviously, there's a lot of conversation, you know, Greg Olson running that uh, that offensive room, that quarterback room. But now he is the voice that's basically taking over for John Gruden. Uh, here's Derek Carr talking about Greg Olson actually calling the game yesterday. I thought it was great. I thought he had a great flow of the game. He's, his communication, his tone and the headset, um, you know, there's so many little things that matter, you know, especially for quarterbacks. Um, you know, his, his uh, he was getting the plays into me so early, so I have time at the line of scrimmage to either go fast or, you know, I, I can push the tempo or I can, you know, you know, trick them. You know, get, get, we got an offsides because Ole's pushing the tempo and the headset and I can get the guys where I need to get them and stuff like that, you know. Um, and it, was very, it was very smooth. So I know, uh, you know, there's probably a few times in the headset where, you know, he may have, you know, thought to say one thing and said another. Uh, uh, but that happens regardless of who's in. Trust me, you know, who's calling it in there. You know, we, uh, it, basically, if they say the play, I know what they mean, you know. And uh, he was, I mean, for everything that he had to deal with um, this week um, and then being thrust into calling plays for the first time in a, in a while, uh, I thought he crushed it, uh, honestly. I, I thought he was great, his demeanor on the sideline, all that. He was, he was awesome. All right, Derek Carr talking about uh, Greg Olson, the offensive coordinator, and uh, the victory yesterday. Raiders win 34-24, big win for them, and now the Raiders improve to 4-2. and two. And next up, they get a Philadelphia Eagle team coming here to Las Vegas, so they'll get a chance to atone for their last home loss against the Bears in probably similar fashion where we're going to have a lot of Eagle fans. Even though the Eagles are struggling right now and the Raiders are getting them in a good time, but we thought that last week as well, too, with the Bears coming in, 
you know, that uh, there's going to be a great spot for the Raiders. I think there's going to be a very good spot for the Raiders because Philadelphia with Jalen Hurts, a quarterback, even though there's nothing wrong with Jalen Hurts, but he does not have an offensive line. He hasn't had much time to throw the football at all. They're banged up, and uh, they, they've been shaky on both sides of the ball. So now the Raiders got some momentum. We saw them at 6-2 and two last year. They very easily could be on their way to 5-2. and two. Don't want to get ahead of themselves at this point in time. But that victory yesterday, that was big. It broke a two-game losing streak. You beat a divisional opponent. You won the game on the road. You're 4-2 and two now. Now you got a Philadelphia team that is not very good. they got to travel cross-country and come here to play at Elysian Stadium, good spot for the Raiders. And now Rich Passaccia and his crew, they have a game underneath their belt, and now they'll come back home to the familiarity of Allegiant Stadium and uh, expect the Raiders to have a nice performance You know, coming back here on uh, Sunday against the Eagles. All right, we'll have more Raider stuff a little bit later on. You'll hear from Max Crosby as well, too. And uh, our resident comedian, uh, Dennis Gaxiola, the longtime Raider fan uh, you know, from the Bay Area. Uh, we're going to talk with him next hour as well, too. We'll have some fun uh, with that. But when we come back, we're going to hear from one of the uh, best wide receivers uh, to ever play, and that is Andre Risen. So Andre will join us when we come back next. It is a magnificent Monday here at the T.C. Martin Show. Back to more nonstop sports talk with the Dr. T.C. Martin. Bennett, the lone setback. Two tight ends set up for the Packers and far back to throw his first one. Going deep, has a man open. Andre Risen does the dance in and far got settled down in a hurry. If you're a Packer fan, it is one of the greatest highlights you'll ever hear because Packers Super Bowl. That's right, 1997, and uh, remember it very, very well. And uh, right now, uh, the man who is the recipient of that pass called by Pat Summerall, John Madden, is on with us now. One of the greatest uh, wide receivers ever in the NFL. Had a 12-year, very, very solid career. Uh, Super Bowl champion, like we mentioned, with the Packers. Five-time Pro Bowl selection. 84 touchdown passes on the receiving end. Had over... 10,000 receiving yards as well, too, and is a Hall of Fame nominee coming up here in 2022. And he's also an author of his book that is uh, getting ready to come out uh, right now as well, too. And we're talking about Andre Risen. Andre, uh, we appreciate you taking the time and joining us, my man. How you doing? Oh, man. Dre, we got a bad connection there, man. I don't, uh, let's try this again. All right. Okay. Can you hear me? Okay, I got you. I got you now. You broke up a little bit. So yeah, let's try that again. Andre, Bad Moon Rising, or I like to call him Spider Man, in the house joining us. Dre, are you there, my man? Man, Breaker Breaker One Nine, I'm in the house. <laughs> of course, Breaker Breaker One Nine, it's the old convoy. That's a, that's an old school reference right there, man. Hey, man, how you doing? <laughs> T- tell me, how are things with Andre Rising these days? Man, I'm doing awesome. Um, you know, I got a beautiful family, beautiful wife, and just built a new home in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and, and doing some high school coaching and getting out and traveling a little bit, uh, popping my head in in the places I hadn't been in a long time, like Lambeau Field yeah. and Las Vegas out there, the new new arena out there with the Raiders, and um, just enjoy life after after uh, you know a long career and then uh, a long <laughs> a long off season of. Uh, 
figuring out which direction you want to go in, you know, after football is over. And, um, you know, I've been blessed. I've been been super blessed, man. Uh, I'm living better than I did when I was playing in the National Football League. So um, I can't do nothing but uh, thank God for that one. Yeah. You know, I know you only spent one year with the Packers, but you are still welcome in that community. And, and I was, you know, I worked there for 12 years. And, you know, I came after that Super Bowl team. But I know we have a lot of, of mutual friends, you know, within the organization. And I know I've talked with you on a couple of you know, different occasions when you'd come back for Alumni Day and that sort of thing. So it's great to connect with you again, uh, my man. Because, uh, again, you've got yourself a, a, a great story. But one thing really set out there when you were telling me about what you're doing now, you said Ann Arbor, Michigan. we got a lot of Spartan fans that are listening probably today, and they're going, wait a minute, he can't be going to the other side coaching in Ann Arbor. He's an East Lansing guy. What's up with that? Man, I tried, man. I tried to get in, I tried to get in my own sector, and uh, I guess I didn't, I didn't spend enough time with Captain Kirk, and um, I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't find my 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 pass. My, I couldn't find my, uh, my my security code to get in East Lansing, and so I found myself wandering and ended up in um, this place, this weird place called Ann Arbor. Yeah, that's not you. I can't see you in no maze and blue, man. You know, we... <laughs> no, no, never, ne- ne- never that. You know, uh, I, and when I'm not cheering for state, I'm always cheering for the Wolverines. Though I will say that. There, there you go, man. See, that's you know, Michigan guys are like that. You know, if you're from the state of Michigan, you're rooting for the state of Michigan. You know, all sports, uh, whatever that is, man. So that's pretty cool, man. That's cool. Yeah, because you got to remember, I played basketball and ran track in college. So, yep. you know, I, I know a lot of guys in different genres from, you know, both alumni. And mm-hmm. so uh, we shoot the breeze. But we just hired a Michigan guy. We At Michigan State, we hired uh, the great Thomas Welcher. Yeah. Great high school coach for many years. And um, he's up there at Michigan State now. So mm-hmm. I guess it's a new trend, new era. You know, mm-hmm. when we played, we didn't have social media and all the internet and all those things. So I guess it's a new time and era. You got it. All right. Andre Risen uh, joins us. Andre, you were drafted by the Colts. Then the next year you were traded to Atlanta where you spent, you know, the bulk of your career. I'd say, you know, you, you know, four really good seasons there with the Falcons. You know, that was really a rare move when you think about that because, you know, when people are drafted, especially in the first round like you were, you don't see them you know, uh, going to another team in the following year. So you really saw the business side of the NFL early on, didn't you? Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, I used to get mad back in the day. You know, now I'm totally, totally a different person, different man. And um, I used to look back and I used to get upset. Like, I, I would watch reporters or watch writers, right? Well, he played for several teams. He played for multiple teams. And I'm like, dude. I had no control over being traded for the first pick overall the next year, you know. Right. And then I have no control over when I left the Falcons, I was a free agent. But so if they don't find me back, I mean, if they don't make an offer, it's not like I got released or anything. So I'm going to my third team as a free agent, and it's like, you know, everybody wants to talk about how many teams I play for as opposed to, like, I'm all pro damn there every year, first or second team. Mm-hmm. How was that and for you? Without, How? And that was without Joe Montana, yeah. Steve Young. That yeah. was without, you know, Aikman. Of course, of course. I mean, seven teams in your career. And again, you know, like you said, one year here, one year there. I mean, that ha- had to be difficult for you as well, too. Did you go through a, you know, a time in your life where you kind of felt like, hey, man, I, you know, I thought you know, I was fitting in here, and, and now maybe you know, something else is, is going on? And I mean, how did you process that you know, you know, year after year like that? 
Um, at some point in time, if you keep putting up the numbers, us, you know, I hate saying I, but we scored double figures five straight years and touchdowns and stuff like that. Never had a hundred catches, but I always get 15 touchdowns, you know? And so, uh, I just put onuses on relationships that I would build with my teammates and, um, relationships that I've built with, you know, front office people. And, um, I just took it day by day knowing that that next day wasn't promised. I just didn't say a lot. Um, say a lot about it and um, just try to keep it, keep it, you know, tough. But I was really hurt inside because, um, you know, after at a certain point in time, point in time, you're like, man, I'm the captain of the team. I'm leading the league in touchdowns, leading the league in receiving. You know, ain't causing no issues. Um, I don't, I don't get it. But it's part of the, it's part of the beast. It's part of the nature of the game. Joe Montana didn't finish in Frisco. Rice didn't finish in Frisco. A lot didn't finish in Frisco. And so when I see those type of things, um, you know, it just, it just makes me realize, you know, uh, and reiterate that you'll never be bigger than the game, which was no intentions, but um, they'll, do what they, they'll do what they need to do for that organization, no matter who you are or how many accolades you, you've won or what you've done for that organization. Um, you know, it's a revolving door. And uh, as, as, as painful as, as it is to say, that's the business side that you mentioned earlier that I learned at an early age. All right. Andre Risen uh, joins us. Now, you spent actually your final NFL season with the Raiders. Uh, talk a little bit about your time with the Raiders. Did you enjoy that? What was your feeling about that? Man, I, it couldn't have been no better uh, outside of um, – the only thing that could have been better is, is if we would have won two more games, right. which would have been getting in the Super Bowl and then winning winning the Super Bowl. Um so it's a catch-22. You know, I I love my Raider teammates. I love my my stint. I love playing alongside of Tim Brown. Um, of course, uh, I had Rich Cannon before Tim Brown, and so I knew what, what caliber quarterback and leader he was, and he ended up being an MVP. Um, you know, and then the Raiders are playing for Al Davis. Uh, you know, what other owner would you want to pay, play for? You know, Al Davis is uh, where we're from. You know, Al Davis is, is bigger than – bigger than big, you know, and uh, just to have the opportunity to play for him and uh, that was a dream come true uh, in that in that, in that that aspect and then um, just the Raider mystique to put the Raider helmet on and the black hole and uh, all the great players that played prior to, prior to myself, all the great players that played and came through there and built that organization up and that brand, um, it was awesome, man. Um, very, very, uh, very humbling. You know, we, t- we talk to Mark Davis all the time. You know, Mark says, hey, you know, once a Raider, always a Raider. And that was the mantra, you know, from his dad, from Al Davis, like you mentioned that. And, you know, now even with the WNBA, you know, Mark is uh, is doing that, you know, with the, with the ladies here as well, too. And that, that really holds true, huh? I mean, again, you've already been invited back here. And, you know, just spending one year with the Raiders, it, it, it probably seems, you know, like uh, you spend a lot more time than just the one season, huh? Oh yeah, without a doubt. Um, we won so many games. We won the AFC West. We were headed, you know, in the playoffs with home field advantage. Um, that gives the fans opportunities to know you as a player. Um, it also gives your teammates uh, a great deal of time to get to know you and respect uh, and, and have and have mutual respect uh, for for one another. And um, the faster the team can come together, uh, more you're more probable to win. And that's what we had, man. Now, you know, when I played on opposing teams, it used to be, well, if you just play the Raiders for four quarters, they'll find a way to lose it. And, um, you know, we 
I know when I got there, you know, I know Rich Gannon as a person and as a good friend. Uh, we were there to change that narrative and get back to the old winning days of the Raiders, and we did uh, collectively with a whole bunch of great players, man. But we were good people, too, and that's why we're still good friends to this day. You got it. All right. So I know that you were a little outspoken with the John Gruden situation that transpired here last week, obviously here in Vegas, a huge topic and the team has persevered and they got the victory against Denver uh, yesterday. Uh, Talk about your time with John Gruden. How well did you know him? I mean, he's a head coach, you know, so I got to know him pretty damn well, you know, and um, I'm one of the go-to guys on offense. So, um, we spent a lot of time on and off the field um, in meeting rooms and just talking and getting to know each other. Uh, we became good friends. And then when I got into coaching 14 years ago, uh, high school coaching, he was always there to help him and his partner in crime, Mark, uh, Mike Tallarico. Um, they always uh, made sure they looked out for whatever high school I was coaching at and uh, made sure we had the proper utensils and um, tools. And um, that was great because a lot of coaches don't have to do that and a lot of people don't have to do that. Uh, once your career is over, a lot of people lose those ties and relationships. And um, um, I'm just thankful he had kept him, kept him with myself. And he's coached a lot of great players. Um, but him and I had a unique relationship. We had a special relationship. And so um, for me to see what had transpired, um, yeah, he was wrong. He was dead, he was dead wrong um, for what happened. Uh, but like I said, before in my statements, I don't retract. Um, you know, we all say things behind closed doors that, you know, we wouldn't say uh, possibly in, in front of somebody or in front of a crowd. And we all also say things that we regret in life, you know. But if you're going to go back so many years to uh, dig out stuff, man, it's going to be a whole bunch of people in trouble uh, when you start doing that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, he's giving the game a great deal of uh, uh, antics with the Chucky with the Chucky situation and uh, with the fans, they had fun with that, and they can't deny that. Um, he's caused some great plays. He's won Super Bowls. Um, you know, he was trying to get the Raiders back on track, and uh, unfortunately, um, this happened. You know, but we live in today's society with uh, with an open view, almost on everybody's personal information. So, um, you know, I just hate it happened when the Raiders were hot. So I'm proud of the guys that came back in this week and got a win the other night um, despite all the, the hoopla and all the stuff that's going on over their heads. It just show uh, great character in them, shows great character in Mark Davis and the organization. And uh, You know, the Raiders will be the Raiders. Um, John will have to deal with this, and he will. He, he will. Mm-hmm. Andre Risen joins us. Andre got a Super Bowl ring with the Green Bay Packers. Talk a little bit about that year in Green Bay. And like we said, I mean, you still get a chance to go back to Lambeau Field. You played with Brett Favre. And, you know, you talked about, you know, uh, teaming up with Tim Brown, Rich Gannon in that combo when you were in when, in, uh, in uh, Oakland with the Raiders. But you, you go back and you look at that team with Brett and the great running backs that they had there and Antonio Freeman, a, another go-to guy. And it seemed like, you know, you really fit in, you know, with – the Packers at that point in time. Talk a little bit about your relationship with those guys specifically, Brett. Um, we're really, really close. I guess when you win a championship, you would be close because you, you know, you cry, you laugh together, you do all that stuff together, you be joyous after wins. And um, I never lost a game with that group. Yeah, and we never we never lost a game together. And so, um, that itself, uh. 
brings that camaraderie. And then we had so many, so many players with, with great character. Like Antonio was funny. Brett Favre was funny. Um, Leroy Butler was funny. You know, uh, rest in heaven, Wayne Simmons. Yep. You had a bunch of guys that could just make you laugh, man. Desmond was funny, our Super Bowl MVP. Um, you know, and this is behind closed doors. You know, you get us at the workplace. All you see is the serious, the serious face and behind the face mask. But uh, behind closed doors, um, you know, we had a great group of guys, man. And we were on a mission. I mean, you know, you, 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 not, you can't get too unfocused with Reggie White sitting in the locker room. Yep, exactly. So, um, you know, you can't get too unfocused with um, that type of caliber caliber of guy sitting in the locker room. So everybody was held accountable. Uh, we won a lot of big games, won a lot of close games. And then we just got on a roll. And um, I know you've seen that lately here in the last several years. The team that's on the roll come late. December, they got a chance, and that was us. Yeah, yep. Uh, my my guy uh, Gilbert Brown, you played with him, William Henderson, and then of course Brett. I mean, a, a great group of guys there, and I know they all had the utmost respect uh, for you as well, too, man. So uh, the great times there in Green Bay, and uh, I think all Packer fans wish that could have lasted a little bit longer. Yeah, I don't. Uh, it was funny because I was I was going to be I was going to be a free agent. Desmond was going to be a free agent. Yeah. Um, I didn't know Chris Jackie's situation, but um, I was sitting at home and um, I was talking to my agent, and he was like, "Well, what do you think?" And I said, "Man, I'm just waiting on this phone to ring, and somebody from Green Bay is going to be on it, whether it's Mike Holmgren or Ron Wolf, and they're going to be like, hey, let's let's do a deal.' And it never happened. And then it never it never happened. And um, I was kind of hurt because uh, I had, you know, I felt like I played a significant role in that. And um, if they thought I was just, <laughs> I guess, just use me now and never use me again, it, it don't work like that. I went to Kansas City and went back to the Pro Bowl and went, won the AFC West and had a chance at another Super Bowl. I actually played against Green Bay. Right. And so, uh, and I used that for inspiration um, that season. I'm not going to lie because uh, I was hurt. You know, and because um, I like, I love, I love the city of Green Bay. I love playing there. Um, it was perfect for me um, at, the, at that time in my life. And um, um, I just didn't understand how you don't bring back the Super Bowl MVP, um, the guy who scored the first touchdown in the Super Bowl, and also the leading scorer in the history of the Packers, uh, Chris Jackie. I didn't understand those moves, and we didn't win another one until Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. No, and that's uh, the business side of it. Uh, and like I said, it, it had nothing to do with you or your production. I can tell you that. It was, you know, obviously just another business side of, of football like uh, we, we see uh, back then, and we see it more and more now. But uh, Andre Risen, the great oh, wide receiver. Yeah. Duh. The book, all right, Wide Open is the book uh, that you collaborated with uh, Camilla Shavers Douglas, uh, talks about your life in detail. What was the inspiration for you to do this book, Andre? Um, it's been long overdue by <laughs> by the public, uh, if you talk to them, but, you know, hey, when you coming out with the book, when you're coming out with the movie, and... Um, I just had to get my life together. I had to get my situation right, man. And um, 
I bumped into a great support system, which was right in front of my face, which was my family. And then I, I married a um, beautiful, beautiful young lady 13, 14 years ago and four beautiful daughters and, um, you know, coaching and being able to build a new home and uh, be financially um, situated, um, then be spiritually situated. Uh, now I can speak as Andre Rising in third you know, uh, what I did on the field and what I did when I played in the NFL. Um, I can really reflect on it now with no bearings, rather up or down or sad or happy, and talk about them and talk about them in real time. And uh, that's what I did. And I told the truth like I normally do. Uh, I, told, I told the truth. And uh, it's a great book, great picks. Uh, it's an inspirational book. Uh, it's a book of faith as far as if you doubt, if you if you have doubt, about yourself, about your career, uh, in any workplace. Um, you know, it's a great book to read about perseverance. Um, when you when you're being ridicu- ridiculed uh, for no no damn no damn reason um, at times, and then uh, when you sit down and evaluate everything, you say, "Damn, you know what? That was my fault." Well, uh, when I got in that place where I could say that, I felt it was uh, just good time. And there's a lot of people that, that never go to that place, Andre. So I, I commend you, you know, big time because you did. You had a complex life. You had a successful life. And now you're willing to actually talk about the good and the bad. And you know what I love about this book? And it, and it says it right in the beginning there. You're talking about there's four sides to a great man's story. One is by the media. One is assumed by the public. We use assume there. One is by the man while he's living. And then the one that is told by his legacy you know, usually after he's gone. And I think that that says a lot right there. And so you kind of getting out in, in front of this and talking about, you know, your relationships with Deion Sanders and Tupac and Lisa Lopez, the politics of football, uh, CTE, you know, and, and, and everything. I think it, it, it's great. And I think people are going to love reading this book. And, and I commend you for, for stepping out in front of this and, and letting everyone know about Andre Risen. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys uh, taking the time out to have us too. And I got like I, I got we got, I have a great team. Um, and it's funny how you never know who you're going to work with. You never know who, what path you're going to cross um, in the walks of life, and, and especially business. And I never thought I would be an author, uh, and, and I buckled down and and wrote it. And there's a feature film coming uh, right behind it. We have a feature film um, that's about to go in production in about two. About, about two to three weeks uh, down in Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm excited and giddy about that, too, as well. And um, it's going to be a great soundtrack. And um, I got some powerful people. I can't say now, but I got some powerful people attached to it. And um, we're going to have a lot of fun with it, too, as well. I want everybody to know, uh, you know, even during hard times, tough times, losses, um, in life we were always winning. And we just didn't know it. We just got greedy with assuming uh assumptions of uh of uh of just uh just gloat and um you know money fame power um all that stuff man and um we take advantage of it and we don't even know we're taking advantage of it and so um you know when you get to a point in life where you wake up in the morning and you can barely put your foot down because your ankle is swole from your previous job 
or you can't you can't remember where where you put the keys or uh, you know it starts to hit for real or you got headaches all day uh, or you can't go outside because it's too bright or wear shades because of migraines and uh, concussions uh, due to concussions that makes it all uh, all real you know and if you don't address it. You could be lost out here as a former football football player, professional athlete, um, all the people that's dealing with bipolarism, um, all the people that has been, um, not, I would say, alienated from um, society. Uh, there's a way that you can fight and scratch to get back. And it's not about getting back to the top. It's just about being prevalent and relevant to yourself and, and to others that love you and care for you. Well put, my friend. Hey, it's, it's great talking with you, and I uh, appreciate uh, m- uh, my man T. Fish for uh, reconnecting us. It's great to talk with you again, man. And uh, the book is wide open. It is uh, available right now. You can get the presale real quick. Tell everybody how they can get the book. They can go to AndreRisingWideOpen.com. AndreRisingWideOpen.com. Um, you can also vote. Um, there's a there's a fan vote for the class of 22 National yep. Football League Hall of Fame as well, and um, you can also vote on there uh, for your favorite player. Hopefully, it's me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, uh, my mom joked with me the other day. She said, "Well, you know, um, you you waited a long time, and you've seen all your other friends go in and colleagues." And she was speaking of all the horses when Tim Brown and Jerry Rice and Michael Irvin and Andre Reid and. Isaac Bruce, when 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 um, those type, Isaac Bruce went in, and which is a great friend of mine, he's like a little brother of mine. My mom started wondering, like, um, to the unfair, uh, you know, group, like, what's what's going on? Like, and last time I checked, when all those guys were playing and you were playing, you were at the top of the league too, babe. <laughs> don't worry about it, you know. Don't worry about it. And, and don't worry about it for 20-something years. <laughs> so finally, we got a nominee, baby. So I'm just, everybody have fun with it. You know, if we make it, we make it. Hey, I'll be happy and grateful. If we don't, I'm still happy and grateful. Andre, I appreciate the time, my man. I really do. And uh, we're going to have to connect again because there's so much to cover, not only just with your career and the book and everything else and what's happening in the NFL. And when you get back here to Vegas, man, we, we definitely got to have you on, uh, you know, in studio or on location as well too, brother, okay? No doubt. Thank you, man. And uh wish you guys uh, good luck uh for the rest of the season and yep. you guys uh, have a have a great uh rest of your fall and, and here comes winter. There you go, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andre. Great talking to you, brother. We'll talk to you later. All right. Appreciate Indeed. you. There it is. Andre Risen, one of the best. And he is part of the 2022 Hall of Fame class in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And he's got a book. You got It's a must-read. And everyone remembers the scenario with Lisa Left Eye Lopez, him and her burning down the house, that sort of thing. Deion Sanders, Tupac he was very close to. The politics of football, a great read. The book is wide open. All right, we come back. Hour number two, Dennis Gaxiola is going to join us. We talk Major League Baseball and recap a busy Sunday in the National Football League as well. T.C. Martin Show on a magnificent Monday.